welcome to the John Brown University Chapel Podcast, recorded in the historic Cathedral of the Ozarks in Salem Springs, Arkansas. This week's chapel speaker was Keith Jagger. Dr. Jagger is the university chaplain at John Brown University. Hey guys, good morning. How's it going? <laughs> it's almost finals, or midterms, sorry. Whew, I freaked out there for a second. Well, welcome to Split Chapel 2022. You all know what that is? Is that like, uh, you're clapping for you don't know what that is? Um, so the freshmen and newcomers are over with Dr. Pollard, who's back from his sabbatical. Uh, so they're over there, and he's doing his sort of welcome uh, talk with them. He normally does that this in the fall, not quite as late, but uh, so here we are. Uh, I, I wanted to say, like, congratulations for not being freshmen and newcomers, but I was like, that would probably be offensive. Um, but if you're a newcomer or a freshman and you're here right now, you're in the wrong place. Uh, but that's okay. Don't leave. You can stay. You're welcome here. Um, so basically today, um, as they're uh, getting a little bit of a different message than our John series, I thought I'd do something a little bit different with us today as well, which I've done in the past. Um, I was uh, a pastor for five years before I got here to JBU. And once a year at, at our church, I uh, took some time a, a Sunday morning and I read scripture over the congregation. Uh, and so some of you may have never experienced this before. You may have never been part of a, a longer scripture reading being spoken over you. So I wanted to give a few words of introduction. But before I do that, I also wanted to mention, um, you know, that, that it's good from time to time for me to uh, remind us that the, the purpose of chapel here is to help you guys grow strong in worship. To, to have the practices, the repetition over and over again of worship. And some of you have told me the struggles of that in, in recent days. And sometimes it's like, oh, I can't remember what was being said. And I've got a lot of homework. And, and just a reminder that this is a place of mutual respect. And so, you know, my invitation to you guys is to use it as you need. And I hope that you receive the permissiveness in that. Um, that this is a space to come and meet the Lord, a space to uh, get a little bit of an oasis in your time. If you get your homework done in here, no one's going to come around and put a big F on it. I'm not going to crack your screens or anything like that. So uh, you're welcome to have this space uh, uh, be a, a place of well-being for you. Oftentimes I wonder if some people experience this as, a, as a, an obstacle to your well-being. And my invitation is that it can be a great contributor to your well-being. And so if that's a struggle for you, if that's um, something that's hard for you, um, I'm always loving to, to chat. We are putting together a, a survey that you're going to be getting at the end of the semester and at, in May, a chapel survey. So you can put some of your angst and energy out through that if you'd like. Um, but also, we're going to be starting up a uh, every two or three weeks. I'll be having lunch with just a handful of people that want to. Um, to give me chapel feedback. So uh, I'd love, I, I think I have a, a somewhat of a good sense of how you're experiencing chapel, but wanted to give a few more outlets for you guys to, to communicate as well. So if you'd like to be part of that, if you know you'd like to be part of that, you can let me know. Um, but we'll be coming around and gathering handfuls of people to have lunch together and, and talk from time to time. Uh, so yeah, this is a, 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 an amazing space, in my opinion, um, to meet the Lord and to, um, 
to come and have our, our whole needs as humans met uh, in this space. So um, with that being said, part of uh, this chapel is going to be me getting a chance to read scripture over you. And if that hasn't been your experience in, in your life so far, I, scripture was meant to be heard. If you can put yourself back for a second in the, the time when the New Testament especially was written, you would um, experience that 90% of the people in that day and age wouldn't know how to read. It was an oral culture. It was a culture that communicated through hearing. And so sometimes as we read scripture, when we, when we get it in front of us and we are, are studying it, you have a chance when you don't understand something to kind of pause take a break and to, to study it a little bit. But when you're in an oral culture and scripture's being read over you, you don't have that luxury. And so sometimes as we read, we wonder why is this so repetitive or why, why is the author seeming to say the same thing over and over again? And that's because these documents were meant to be heard. Um, you can imagine uh, someone uh, in, in a, a community in the first century, late first century, they've received the gospel of John uh, in, their, in their Christian community. And for the first time, they're gonna hear this, this scripture and, and they're not gonna make photocopies and pass them out to everyone. They're gonna gather a congregation together and someone is going to stand up and, and read it. Um, and the experience of actually hearing something like the Gospel of John read through and through is really profound. But you have to listen, you have to be listeners in this space. And so um, the, the, the best way to be a listener as scripture is being read over us is not try to grasp everything, not really try to hold on to everything, and, um, but really let it wash over you. Sometimes you might find yourself distracted and thinking of other things, that's okay. Um, the Lord will snap your attention into the gospel reading where he wants, and you'll experience a, a drawing of attention to an idea or a phrase, and then it may draw your mind off into a whole nother kind of rabbit trail, so to speak. But tr trust that, you know, trust that you know, the experience of hearing scripture uh, is meant to interact with your mind and your heart and your whole person. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for us today. Uh, this will be one time. If you hate this, that's okay. You can let me know. I, I'd love to know if you hate this. Um, but my experience is that people uh, who give themselves over to the hearing of the word really are enriched. And the, the scriptures promise us that a word of God spoken does not come back empty. And in fact, my, my one last point here, um, I've found as a preacher that oftentimes, you know, I can stand in the way of the word of God stand in the way of the scriptures uh, as I try to explain, give cultural context, connect up with our life. And from time to time, we get, we get to experience the power of scripture itself speaking to us without me as the, the imperfect mediator. So that's probably enough. I'm going to get going here. I'm going to read uh, the gospel, some of the Gospel of John for us today, since we're in the Gospel of John. Uh, chapter 9 and 10, I'm preaching on on Thursday, so I'm going to skip over that and start where I'm going to end up. Uh, and then we're just going to go. I'm going to read till the clock runs out, and I'm going to pray, and the band's going to come up for one more song. So, Father, as we hear the word over us today, you know the complexities of our lives. You know the, the things that we're going through. You know the words that we need to hear. And part of how powerful you are is how powerful you are to speak a word to us exactly where we need it today. So our minds and hearts are open to uh, what you would have to say to us through the reading of your word. 
Amen. John 10, 22. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you did not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus replied, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these are you going to stone me? The Jews answered, It's not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, though only a human being, are making yourself God. Jesus answered, Is it not written in your law? I said you are gods. If those to whom the word of God came were called gods, and the scripture cannot be annulled, can you say that the one whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world is blaspheming? Because I said, I am God's son. If I'm not doing the works of my Father, then don't believe me. But if I do them, even though you did not believe me, believe the works so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Then they tried to arrest him again, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing earlier, and he remained there. Many came to him and they were saying, John performed no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true and many believed in him there. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when the Lord heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and you're going to go there again? And Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go there 
to wake him up. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go also, that we may die with Jesus. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were there with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there more. When Mary came to Jesus and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews came out with her also weeping, he was greatly moved and disturbed in spirit. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, he'll see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, 
come out. The dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Now many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the council and said, what are we going to do? This man is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and destroy both our holy place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. You do not understand that it is better for you to have one man die for the people than to have the whole nation destroyed. He did not say this on his own, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was about to die for the nation and not for the nation only, but to gather into the one, the dispersed children of God. So from that day on, they planned to put him to death. Jesus, therefore, no longer walked about openly among the Jews, but went from there to a town called Ephraim in the region near the wilderness, and he remained there with his disciples. Now, the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and were asking one another as they stood in the temple, what do you think? Surely he will not come to the festival, will he? Now, the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who knew where Jesus was should let them know so that they might arrest him. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used, he used to steal what was put in it. And Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that, I, so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. When the great crowd of the Jews learned that he was there, they came, not only be, they came not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death as well, since it was on account of him that many of the Jews were deserting and were believing in Jesus. The next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written, 
Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been, been written of him and had been done to him. So the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him up from the dead continued to testify. It was also because they heard that he had performed this sign that the crowd went out to meet him. The Pharisees then said to one another, you see, you can do nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. Now, among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew Philip, and Philip told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life will lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and wherever I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now, my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth on my cross, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. The crowd answered him, we have heard from the law that the Messiah remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up on a cross? Who is this Son of Man? And Jesus said to them, the light is with you for a little longer. Walk while you have the light so that the darkness may not overtake you if you walk in the darkness, you do not know where you're going. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become children of light. After Jesus had said this, he departed and hid from them. Although he had performed so many signs in their presence, they did not believe in him. This was to fulfill the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah, Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And so they could not believe because Isaiah also said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart so that they may not look with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw his glory and spoke about him. Nevertheless, 
Many, even of the authorities, believed in Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess it for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved human glory more than the glory that comes from God. Then Jesus cried aloud, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world so that everyone who believes in me should not remain in the darkness. I do not judge anyone who hears my words and deeds, words and does not keep them, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my word has a judge. On the last day, the word that I have spoken will serve as a judge, for I have not spoken on my own, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment about what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I speak, therefore, I speak just as the Father has told me. Father, as we respond now with song to the word that has been spoken over us, we remember once again of your presence, that you are here with us, longing to elevate us, not to judge us, but to call us to salvation. May the words spoken in our hearts return to you fruitfully. Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the John Brown University Chapel Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, and we'd love it if you'd leave us a review.